Hi, I'm Angela Lee and welcome to the Will to Live podcast where we share with you the gifts of living. I speak to inspiring wellness leaders, mums, celebrities, business people, super grannies and more to help you live your potential, connect to your purpose and bring joy to your life. Discovering your will to live a fulfilling life starts now. Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Will to Live podcast and today we've got a special episode and it's with psychologist Amanda Carlisle and we're going to be talking about something um, basically coercive control and for those that aren't in Australia you may not have heard the news but a few weeks ago um, a lady called Hannah Clark and her three children literally down the road from where I grew up were actually had petrol poured on them and were burnt to death it like it's horrific in in really something which is, I guess, brought up a lot of questions and a lot of discussion about what we do about these issues. And a lot of it, different experts have different opinions. And I've been sort of following this since then, because I just think it's something that we need to, to look at. And one of the areas people talked about is that we need to have more education about what coercive control actually is and what non-physical abuse actually is, because without the awareness, we can't actually have changed. So today, um, Amanda, who works on this field, is actually going to discuss this and help bring education and awareness to both men and women to hopefully make some changes so we don't see things like that happening in the future. So thanks for joining us, Amanda. Hi, Angela. Yes. So um, Amanda Carlo is a Principal Senior Practitioner of Think Positive Psychology, and she's a registered psychologist, board-approved supervisor for provisionally registered psychologists, She's been working in private practice since 2010 and has worked extensively in both the private and public sectors. Amanda works with patients aged 15 years and older in all mental health disorders. Her specialisation is in treating patients with bipolar, PTSD, trauma, anxiety and depression. And in her practice, she's seen a steady increase in cases of domestic violence using coercive control in this time. So I guess what I really want to frame is that you know, this isn't a, a witch hunt against men. Um, this is about education, about coercive control, emotional violence that can be carried out by both men and women. But the fact is there are a lot of women in Australia who are suffering, you know, murder happens every week. So it is really an important topic to start discussion. And actually, it's probably the first time I've really been nervous on a podcast because I just really want to do it just because I know people, men, who are suffering domestic violence and also women. So I really want to make sure that this is a, I guess it's not a gender thing as such, but it's really an educational thing so we can um, all look as a society to look at changing our thoughts and views on things. So I guess, Amanda, I guess where we really need to start is really, I guess, you know, so many things are subtle and, I, I, you know, I've had discussions with you privately about people don't really seem to know what coercive control is. So I'd love for you to sort of, I guess, start by explaining that and maybe some examples around that for, for people to listen in, because this is about education. Yeah, definitely. So, and look, I agree with you, Angela, there is um, the ability for someone to demonstrate coercive control, both male or female, but unfortunately, in what I see in my practice, and as you said, with regard to the statistics, it seems to be um, a disproportionate problem with regard to the number of women that um, are in these situations. And there's a number of factors for that. Um, one of them is the fact that um, often I see women who are in a stage of their life or in a stage of the relationship where they're um, just going to start a family. And often in those sorts of times is when then some of these 
I guess what we would see as more subtle behaviours then become magnified and um, is where a woman then feels very much uh, powerless and uh, trapped in the situation. Uh, and so that's what I generally will work um, with, with women to see that um, those feelings are real and valid and to then try and navigate the safest way to, um, I guess, minimise or stop the, those sorts of behaviours. And then if that's impossible because the partner is just not, um, you know, not responding, then how do they safely leave that situation? Mm-hmm. And so what, how would you, like, is there any definition of what coercive control actually is? Like, what is it? It's in the news a lot at the moment. So, yeah, yeah I guess it'd be really great to sort of bring some awareness around that. Yeah. So it's, there's a few different um, forms of it, if you like. So basically we always think of domestic violence more traditionally as, uh, you know, you might even see, I guess, when people think of it, even with some of the educational um, uh things that are out there with the government, it still looks a bit more like this sort of physical dominant, you know, um, verbally abusive person. But um, it's actually, you're right about being subtle. It's a bit more sinister than that, really. So it's, it's usually um, around being uh, highly manipulative, um, uh, being um, emotionally abusive. Uh, often, as I said, because women are in a, a more vulnerable position, the financial control is quite a, a significant element. Um, but the manipulative part is really about making a woman question her um, her sense of self, her sense of decision making. Um, it, it's all about reducing a woman's feeling of worth. Uh, where you know, often I'll have women say to me, "Look, I, I I've lost my ability to." know what's right and wrong, what's, um, what's okay, um, to feel like, you know, I want to do this or I think this is unfair, but my partner just barrages me with various sort of ways of being abusive that, that they literally feel exhausted by it. And so they stop, they stop fighting for themselves. So they kind of just end up in this sub- submissive role um, in the relationship, uh, you know, the classic walking on eggshells, because it's just too hard for them and they lose their ability to think no this is not okay so often the first step when they're coming to see me is is really them being able to be in a safe place to say look you know is this behavior okay or not because I don't you know I haven't thought it is but my partner is making me feel um you know that I'm uh, silly or that I'm being unrealistic or that I'm you know whinging or you know I should be grateful and all those sorts of comments and they're very they're very common statements that are, are said. And again, one in itself or in isolation or every now and then when you have a fight, that's like, you know, that sometimes happens. But this is like a constant um, form of this, you know, sort of chipping away at a woman's sense of um, value and a sense of right to be heard that ends up then creating, um, you know, that disparity in the relationship. And then he basically has full control over you know, what she does, where she goes, what finances she has. Mm. So there's a couple of things there I guess I wanted to explore. So, like, what are some common examples of, I guess, things that are said or things that are done that you see um, in your practice so people can become more aware of what is actually happening? Um, Well, often, I guess, the the thing that probably stands out for me because then a woman finds it really hard to leave that situation is the financial control. Um, and there's, I guess, a couple of examples where, you know, and these are women from all different um, 
uh, you know, aspects of life. There are women who are, you know, highly educated professionals. There are women who are, you know, who have worked really hard in their lives, um, you know, um, come into a relationship and felt like, you know, they've had some independence leading in. So it's not always what you think where it's a woman who is potentially, um, you know, already starting in a relationship without a lot of, um, uh, sense of, of worth in it so it's mm -hmm. it, it's interesting that it, it ends up where um, through things like financial control um, because for example you know you start a family a woman let's just say it's even a professional woman is is on leave um, they don't necessarily have access to you know a lot of financial income coming in or things might be in his name or you know a woman might have a credit card in her name and then the partner will purposefully um, put a lot of debt onto that card. So basically, the you know she's in a situation where if she actually wanted to leave um, because he was being abusive in any sh shape or form, she's got no income, she's got debt in her name, um, she's got no ability to just have a lump sum of money that she could um, escape that situation safely and find herself safe accommodation. So that's. I guess that's sort of one example where, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily think of that, um, uh, you know, in the typical scenario of um, when people talk about abuse, but uh, it's, it's a huge impact because that woman feels completely trapped and therefore basically has to tolerate um, abusive behaviour. Yeah, so financial is a big one. And what about, like, are there other sort of, you know, I guess daily, you know, like daily things that happen or common you know, daily comments or common daily behaviours that you see in your practice? Oh, absolutely. So it's, again, it's all those sort of um, constant criticism of, um, you know, what she's doing, how she's doing it, um, that it's, you know, it's either not good enough or it's, um, or, you know, what if, not thinking that she's contributing enough or something like that. And then, if, if a woman's trying to, uh, I don't know, argue a point or, or say, oh, look, I'd really like you to help me with, with something at home, um, you know, she's the, usually the wording will be something like, you know, that um, ungrateful, um, complaining, whinging, um, you know, uh, basically putting it back on her. So the sense of responsibility for, I don't know, all your everyday uh, life um, circumstances always falls back on her and it's always that she's not, um, you know, pulling away or good enough or complaining. So there's a lack of accountability on his side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting because I guess what I've, you know, witnessed, I suppose, a little bit too in my time is, you know, when people, like, they make a joke about the partner. So they'll make a joke about the partner in private and then they'll make a joke about the partner in public that that person's you know, not great at cleaning or not great at hanging yeah. the washing out or they're the person that always does that. But, you know, on the flip side, that other partner is actually doing stuff as well, but it's never acknowledged, you know? So it's just that constant thing of like the favours, like I've seen that quite a bit and then there's always these favours that seem to be done for that person, which are just day-to-day -day activities. And I think that makes the other partner feel really indebted to them and you know they lose so much of their self because of that and start to go oh my god I'm what am I doing wrong and all of that yeah. type of thing yeah I'm being unrealistic so it's very much this sense of um that a woman will feel like he's he's saying to her you know you're being unrealistic um you're being unfair 
and I, I agree with you, Angela, it's a very important point about um, socially. So there will be um, a focus on uh, minimising or diminishing her value or her character um, mm. to others. And it can be done in a bit of a, a flippant way or they sort of sort of make it a joke, but it's definitely targeted and that's what that manipulative part is about the manipulative part is really tricky the other thing that that often happens and this is why the women i talk to get very i wouldn't call it confused but it's it's just it, it becomes this sort of tug war in her own mind because they'll be the the partner will be um quite nice and thoughtful at times okay um but it always comes with such a big price so um, either because all of a sudden they'll flip then into this quite, um, you know, abusive behaviour, or if they do something sort of alluding to what you said, then it's sort of like, well, I've done this for you, you know, um, how dare you question me about, I don't know, something else that I want to do, or, you know, I've done you a favour, you know, you should be grateful. So that sort of, you know, being grateful terminology comes up a lot. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, you know, um, you should be grateful because I hung out the washing, but I've done the groceries, I've done all the food, I'm yeah. still bringing in all the income. Like, you know what I mean? It's quite, yeah, you can see that that happens. And I think, yeah, I just think it's really important to, I guess, educate people around these types of things. And something that I'm curious about, because what you said before was that a lot of women that you see, it starts to sort of, I guess, unfold when they're having children because that's, you know, when they lose some of their own power I guess do you feel that you know the relationship does change or was it always kind of like that but now because the women's the woman has lost some of her strength or even the man who might stay at home with kids because I do know some men who have stayed at home as well so and they've lost some of their I guess power in some sense like do you think it was always there but it becomes amplified in those situations or does it just yes. begin then I guess that's I think it is that it's always there um and it's amplified, which goes to the very heart of the problem. And I guess that's what then, you know, somebody listening, the important thing is to understand that there's that fundamental um, overriding uh, issue that is what makes it um, domestic violence or abuse as opposed to, I don't know, you know, your partner's having a bad day and or you're just having marital issues, right? So there's quite a big difference. And that difference is, um, so what you are saying before about, you know, those cracks are there even before you have children. The reason that when you have children it gets amplified is is that lack of um, independence. So the the uh, partner who is um, uh, doing those behaviours of coercive control, it's all about um, controlling their partner. It's all about a, a possessive kind of love. So, you know, you are my person and you do what I want. And when that person the partner doesn't or isn't compliant or isn't doing how they want things to be trying to have a voice <laughs> trying to be independent um, they will find a way to almost like break their partner during they'll find a way to um, you know get into their head enough or, or be intimidating or um, uh, make it hard for them with their friends or you know uh, push them away from family there's so many elements where it's all about maintaining control maintaining the upper hand creating a situation where the partner eventually is kind of submissive just because she's literally going well I can't I have no other option yeah I think what I like what you said too like I 
you know, about they can have that perfect behaviour. I guess what I've witnessed as well is, you know, they can be so calm, they can be so nice in front of everyone as if they're doing everything, you know, for that particular person. So it, it makes it harder for the other partner to actually even want to speak out or be believed because now people go, well, how can that even happen? How can your partner... Oh, that's, that's, that's like probably one of the most common things I hear, okay, is a woman saying to me, well, you believe me, which... First and foremost, they are almost shocked that I believe them, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I my 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 line, well, what I say back to them is, well, but you've given me evidence. Like I'm not just sitting here trying to make you feel good. You've given me clear evidence of this coercive control behaviour, and mm. I can sit there and explain to them. And I'm sure he does this and he does that, and this happens, and they kind of go, oh, how do you know? Mm. Um, because it is a pattern. It is a pattern of behaviour that is consistent mm. across all of these. Uh, relationships that are termed domestic violence so mm -hmm. um so it's uh, and yes the not that 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 behavior is is absolutely one of those typical ones where um which makes it very hard for the woman in abusive situation to actually talk to other people about it to go and get help because he will be seen by society or by even close friends um or by work colleagues as this you know fabulous person who um, you know, might even look like he's treating his partner quite well when he's out um, in public. But there's, there usually is still signs even then, you know, for someone who's, I guess, got a little bit more awareness, which again, this is what this is all about, mm -hmm. to, you know, if, if he is sort of, um, if you're observing a, a couple and, and the partner is being, you know, a bit condescending and a bit critical, and, and that seems to happen a lot when you see them, if you see even her behaviours, if she's, you can sort of see how a woman um, has an element of fear around that relationship or an element of, of feeling dismissed or, or, or just, you know, not, not actually saying something back. Because in a healthy relationship, if that partner has crossed the line, then, then the woman should be able to say, hey, you know, back mm -hmm. off a bit or, or, you know, that's enough or something, right? Yeah. And he, if he's respectful, should go, oh, yeah, whoops, sorry, you know, oh, I, I, you know. Um, basically, you know, recognise that he'd overstepped the line. Whereas um, in these relationships, there is no, and that's what I was saying earlier, there's no accountability by the partner demonstrating coercive control. There is no responsibility for that he might be part of this problem, that he might be making it difficult. So they would never, they would never offer an apology or never admit when no. they wrong. Like it's that's the difference. Whereas the other partner would be thinking that, oh, what have I done wrong? Whereas the the partner who is doing the controlling never thinks they've done anything wrong. Is that? And, yeah. And another way of looking at it is, you know, he won't he won't walk in her shoes. So he won't look at. And back to your earlier one, which is a nice one because it's an everyday example. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, he might say, oh, but I've done this, you know, I've done this great thing for you. I've looked after the baby for an hour, right? He won't walk in her shoes and look at the fact that she was up all night and that she's been breastfeeding all day and that she happened to even, I don't know, do some work maybe or mm. do some shopping or something else, right? So it's that lack of ability to show genuine empathy for their partner mm. um, in seeing that even what they're doing and their behaviours are hurtful and diminishing her value. Mm. And with the people that you see, because you, I know you see men as well, like do you see differences in the types of, like we've talked probably a lot about the types of behaviour that men are doing to women. Are there differences in how men experience this or is it similar but just in the reverse or is it slightly? Um, it, is, 
it is similar in the manipulative part. Okay, so um, the, in the time in the examples of the men that I um, talk to, it is uh, similar in that often um, he will feel um, his value is being diminished, that he can never do enough. Like he, he'll be doing more than the lion's share of of um, responsibility at home, and and she will be constantly. Uh, criticizing it and um, you know telling them it's not it's not enough or not good enough so that part is very very similar I guess the only difference is really just um, the level of fear um, is greater generally in the women that I see just unfortunately that I think that's just a more of a physiological thing um, the fear in a um, domestic violence situation where it's a woman as the I guess perpetrator if you like um, the fear is always around children, that she's going to take the children, that she's going to not let him see them. So, and that's, that's a legitimate fear and can really cause a lot of um, damage. And, and, you know, um, the men I've worked with often, if it's, if it's context with children, he's literally staying in it because he doesn't want to lose access or custody. Um, and, and so it's... So they you know, use the children to yes. control it. And, yeah. and in both sides, um, the children are often a weapon. So that's where the fear gets very um, confronting. And these are, these are genuine um, fears and worries, which is, of course we've seen with this um, horrible event recently, okay, that, um, you know, the, 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 the partner who is the one demonstrating the coercive control behaviour, they're when they feel like they're losing the, the partner, when they feel like, you know, if we're talking about a woman that she is going to leave or she's in the process of leaving or she's talking about it, they will really up the ante. So they will, um, you know, say, I'm going to take the kids. I'm going to hurt the kids. I'm going to turn the kids against you is the other one that is terrible. And, it, and it, it, when I say it can happen, it's not that your children don't um, love you, but if, if he is... Um, over time constantly you know berating her in front of the kids and um, uh, demonstrating those behaviors over a longer period of time when the kids get older it's quite a sad thing I see that the kids will demonstrate some of that um, belittling kind of um, behavior as well or or not you know and and, and the mum won't feel like she can address it because she's so scared that the kids will um, favour their dad or will, um, you know, she'll lose even more in that relationship. Do you think it's like a, um, you know, it's really interesting to see how this is even happening. Do you think it's like a lot of people who are doing it, doing the controlling, men and women, don't even realise that they may be doing it because it's what they grew up with or what their friends do or what is normal society? Like, is that what you think? Or is there something that specifically that, leads to them doing this or is it just a society thing that that's what we've become to accept and that's why it happens? Uh, it's a hard one. Hard it's one. quite difficult. I think, I think some of it, um, I think it's always been um, a problem. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually think it's just that we're um, addressing it now. We're, we're actually calling people on that behaviour and saying, you know what, it's actually not okay. Mm. Um, if you look back and, and yes, a lot of people will say, oh yeah, my parents, you know, this happened in my household. Mm. And I think that's probably why I'm saying that. I think the evidence suggests that, um, it has always been a problem, but, um, it, the fact that, you know, we're now 
uh, recognizing it, uh, we're now um, putting the spotlight on it means that, um, you know, we're, we're acknowledging just how big a problem it, it has always been. And look, it may be getting worse just because life stresses are worse. So, I, I, you know, when you see a family under a lot of pressure, then obviously, again, these sorts of behaviours get magnified. So a bit like what we were saying earlier, often these relationships don't look quite so abusive um, until there's more pressure. So pressure of children, pressure of financial responsibility, pressure of, you know, owning a home and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something else I'm curious about too, because it does seem so widespread, is coercive control just in like a, like a, a, a personal relationship or can that be something that happens across workplaces or that's a different kettle of fish? No, it definitely um, can happen in, you know, in a work situation. It can um, happen within a family as in a sibling or a, um, you know, uh, I guess if a, if a parent, um, for example, in, in the example of, you know, a domestic violence situation where a parent is, um, uh, exhibiting that to the mum, they will exhibit it to the children too. Okay, mm. so so you will have you know children obviously affected by it, but yes, it can actually apply to um, very much apply to workplace settings. And look, you know, people might term, make might change that terminology to bullying, for example, but mm-hmm. it's a bit more than that. Like it can be, um, although you know, bullying is also very damaging. It's very similar. I mean, they're all within the same context. It's where one person is. Um, trying it feels it's their right to um take more control over that relationship to feel like they need to diminish the other person's value to um have more power in that relationship Mm -mm. yeah it's something that i've seen in professional settings as well i guess that's why i've asked now that i've become more aware of it i guess you can see it more you know something that i I guess wondered is like, I guess we've been starting to educate on what some of these behaviours are, but what do men and women do who are in those situations? And I guess I want it to be both sides as well. If, you, if you're someone that feels you have been displaying these behaviours and not realising what it is, I think it's really important for that person to actually get help, not just the person who's receiving it as well. Like how do both of these people go about, involved in this go about, I guess, helping it or moving forward, I guess, what's the steps that people take? So I'll start with, I guess, the the victim first, if you like, because that's sort of, um, you know, who we've mainly been talking about. But I agree, both need to, it's important for both parties Mm -hmm. to understand, you know, like if if, um, the person exhibiting those behaviours recognises it and actually wants to address it, then that's huge and that's really important. so in terms of the, the victim or the person that is being confronted with this coercive control, it's all it's predominantly about uh, maintaining independence, maintaining boundaries where you can, um, trying to protect and hold on to support network because that's the thing they tend to take away. You know, they'll try and diminish that person's um, relationships with close friends or with family members. Um, so uh, it's very, very important to, um, despite the fact that it might, they, the woman might feel like she's going to pay the price when she comes home if she's been out to see her friends or family or, or you know, even look for a job when he's sort of saying, no, you know, I don't want you to work because you know, obviously he's not wanting her to maintain some sort of financial independence. So it's, it's at least taking that risk and knowing that, yes, there might be repercussions in terms of how he, was, he will behave but it's, it's her ability to then protect herself, to, to be able to kind of 
push back at least a little bit to be able to say to her partner um, and feel braver about saying, you know, this behaviour is not okay, and then be able to go and stay at a friend or, you know, go to mum and dad's or, or whatever it might be, knowing that she's got those options. Um, financially to stay independent. I can't stress that enough because I can't tell you the number of women I see who are literally trapped. They, they don't have the ability to go and rent somewhere. They, they don't have bond. And again, these people who have, there's a lot of money perhaps in their, in their family wealth, if you like, you know, so with between them. But if a woman wants to leave and has to leave today, um, you can't, you know, she can't access any of that, right? It takes months and months if not a year for um if you finally leave for all of that to be sorted out you know mm. um and this is where it's it's really frightening for a woman because if she doesn't have the support of family or friends she doesn't have any financial independence then it's literally going to a women's shelter and not that i'm saying that isn't absolutely a, a, an option mm. but that's so scary and confronting as well um, and there's still that feeling, and I've worked with many women who have gone to shelters, um, there's such a feeling of vulnerability in that. So in order to feel a bit safer, a bit more, and again, with children, it's so confronting and unsettling to just be in the hands of the community and the hands of, you know, government services. So, um, and like I said, it's wonderful those services are there, but as a proactive, you know, looking at this as a, a longer term how do we get beyond um, where a woman has to, to rely on that mm. to try and maintain this level of um, independence? Because with that comes strength and a sense of, um, uh, you know, uh, I do have the right to um, say no to this. I have a right to um, feel like it's not okay that my partner is constantly criticising me or manipulating me or, um, you know, uh, making me feel like I, you know, can't access any money or whatever it might be. Mm. So, um, so it is all about, yeah, that sense of independence. Yeah, yeah. And so if for the person who might be eliciting that controlling behaviour, what do that, do they just have to sort of start recognising that or is there... So that's quite a tricky one, Angela, because a lot of the time, and look, I've even done where the partner has said to me, oh, look, can we please try and do couples counselling? And mm. um, I have done it in the past. And I've actually felt that it's been quite unsuccessful because um, ultimately the person who is demonstrating those behaviours, mm. the, the biggest, the, the, the issue that, or the, the, the part that needs to change is their accountability, okay? So if they're not feeling accountable, if they're basically saying, it's not me, it's, it's, it's the other partner mm. um, and I'm not doing anything wrong and um, she doesn't appreciate me and all that kind of stuff, okay, then they're not open to change. So they're not at a point where they will recognise or think that this is not okay. Mm -hmm. If if they have the ability through, um, I don't know, through maybe other uh, family members or friends kind of, you know, subtly pointing out that perhaps, you know, that behaviour is, you know, is, um, uh, yeah, I guess abusive to their partner. You wouldn't necessarily say it that way. Um, then, and they're open to listening to that, then, Yes, they would need to get proper psychological therapy mm. to be able to understand why. Why do they think that that way of... Because in their mind, they think they're loving that person. It's a very possessive love, but it's, it's how they see 
Mm. Um, they, you know, they'll, they often will say, you know, I'm looking after you. I'm, mm. I'm doing this for you. Right? I've done everything for you. Yeah. 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 Mm. So um, it's, it's working in therapy and understanding where does that come from? Why do they think that that's, that's okay? Mm. Um, and being able to challenge themselves in that space. So what happens? Do they just like move on? and start controlling the next partner. Is that ten typically what tends to happen? Like, because if they're not going to face it and get help, do they just keep going from partner to partner until someone, I guess, yeah. doesn't speak out and accepts it? Is that? Pretty much, unfortunately. So that's what I'm saying. If somebody is not hmm. willing to look at that behaviour and see that it's not, um, hmm. you know, it's not acceptable, it's not respectful hmm. of their partner, it's not actual genuine love, you know, it's, mm. um, it's kind of like putting your partner in a gilded cage kind of thing. You know, they think they're doing the right thing and, you know, I'm doing this for you. And, mm. um, but it's, it's, you know, it's trapping them. Mm. If, they, if they genuinely don't see that as wrong, then they will continue into the next relationship mm. um, acting in the same way. And they'll probably have a, another partner who will, you know, go into that relationship. Mm. Unfortunately, um, you know, not necessarily either recognising those signs or not feeling good enough in her own self-worth to see that that behaviour is not okay. Mm. And I guess there's, you know, the one situation that you mentioned earlier for the men, because I just want to make sure that I, I do try to bring two sides into it. So the men who are having the children, you know, held against them and not letting, you know, they're not able to see their kids, because I do know of that happening. Like, how do they go about getting help? Because that's often a tricky situation to handle yeah, I definitely i think in that instance it's similar in what i was saying about women it's it's gaining um independence and um evidence if you like or support for um the fact that they are a good parent you know so say they are a stay-at-home dad that they have got um people in the community so they'll go maybe drop the kids off at school they've got uh, teachers they've got other school parents who can see that you know he is a dedicated and responsive and loving parent mm. um you know again looking at other friends or, or family members that he could turn to to try and get that um that support in then being able to go into you know a custody dispute for example mm-hmm. um with with lots of evidence to support that you know he has every right to you know, keeping in mind though that the normal thing now in a um, custody dispute is 50-50. So, mm. but a lot of the time the women, like I said, when I'm working in those situations, uh, the women are really throwing all these um, uh, unfounded sort of, um, uh, like they'll basically say, oh, you know, I'm going to have the kids and you won't get to see them at all, right? And, mm. and they'll often say, you know, I'm going to prove that you, you're you demonstrating violence or that you're, you know, um, a terrible parent, right? Mm. So, um, but, you know, first and foremost, the court generally goes 50-50 unless proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the proof that she would have to have to demonstrate that he was a really unfit parent has to stack up in court. So that's what I'm saying. He needs to get mm. the proof to dispute any possible manipulative threat that she's throwing at him about, um, you know, I'm going to show that you're um, this, you know, horrible person. Well, you know, where's your evidence? Mm. Okay. And I guess something that I'm curious about, I guess because of what happened, like with that Hannah situation, which I know so many people have been deeply affected by, is there any sort of warning? Like obviously you've talked about, I guess, patterns of coercive control and these type of things. Are there any sort of 
significant warning signs in the lead up to where it could get actually quite dangerous or is it just so varied in those situations? It is varied, but it's, um, I guess, the most dangerous uh, form. Like, so we've talked a bit about, you know, we've said that there was, there's financial, there's verbal, there's emotional, and then there's the manipulative. Mm -hmm. So it's the manipulative control that's always the most dangerous. So the one thing I forgot to mention with manipulative, which is very important, um, they will often say, I'm going to hurt myself. Okay. You know, I can't live without you. Um, and again, first and foremost, that often means a woman won't um, leave because she's scared that he will um, do that. But the minute that he starts throwing those kinds of um, statements around, you know, um, more using that terminology, either that he's going to hurt himself or he's going to hurt her or the children um, is really when, you know, obviously the red flags go up and it's really hard to know because often those statements are just, you know, purely as what it's there for to manipulate. But um, if that partner is starting to become um, quite, um, you know, where they are genuinely fearful that his wife and kids are going to leave, right? And, um, he in himself is is unstable in other ways. So perhaps he doesn't have um, other people around him or he might be having trouble in other aspects of his life. Mm. Um, then, you know, obviously it's a higher risk because for him, it's like, this is, this mm. is my life, right? Even though it's unhealthy, it's still what he sees as, you know, um, this is his life. She's taking it away from him. And that's the horrible situation that we saw with Hannah is pretty much he's going, well, I'd rather that we all died than you leave me. Mm. Mm. So I guess, you know, I, one of the things that I sort of went through, I listened to a lot of the experts' opinion on this situation and it's like there was a part of me that I, I guess I got angry, you know, there's certain things that I've witnessed, other people experience, things in my lifetime, you know, things personally and professionally that I guess in a way that I've experienced and it made me really feel like an enabler, like because I've let things go, because often it's easier to let certain things go or you see certain things happen to someone else and you don't speak up. And it just made me feel like, you know, are we, and I know a lot of people do that because, oh, that's their business or let's just not rock the boat because it's easier to just move forward and move away or whatever. But what can we do? Like, are we in fact enabling the problem by not speaking up? You know, that's sort of the other side that I was wondering. And I know it's not about interfering in other people's things. I guess it's only what you can do for yourself, but I'm just kind of wondering, I guess it's no longer accepting those behaviours, you know, having those boundaries to not do that. But what's I think it's, I think it's two things like, and you know, again, that's part of why I wanted to do this with you, Angela. Some of it is just um, getting that message out there and then as an individual saying, right, well, first of all, I want to make sure that, you know, it doesn't happen to me. It doesn't happen to maybe my children. So how do I educate my own children about this problem? Um, but the other part, which is, you know, in line with what I said about, you know, a woman or a man that's in this situation, it's so important that they have those friends and family members who are basically saying to them, you know, look, I'm here for you not necessarily telling them what to do because that's not helpful, all right? The person has to be 100% ready, um, has to feel like, you know, he or she either wants to stay or not stay. And that's a really tricky thing because if you can see that your friend is in an abusive situation, of course, it's only natural that we're going to want to, you know, try and convince them, right? Oh, you need to leave and you need to do this and you do that. So it's far better to just honestly to listen 
to um, provide uh, suggested support like have you you know maybe do you want to go talk to a psychologist about this or have you gone down to scope to talk to you know the women's domestic violence center to understand you know what you can and can't do and what services there are so it's it's more pointing that person in the right direction letting them know that you are there for them that if they ever felt at risk or were worried that you know you would welcome them in your house if you feel that you can like a lot of people can't you know are a bit confronted by that and also don't want danger on their doorstep so that's that's actually okay to say look i can't because i have small children but um you know uh, i will support you you know if you if even if it's to help them initially financially or help them in moving house or um whatever it might be you know help them with their kids so there's lots of ways you can support a woman or a man if they're trying to um, either deal with the problem or exit the situation. So if it's dealing with the problem, it's just giving them that feeling of um, value in themselves too, you know, that you really appreciate their time, that you value their opinion. So it's all about boosting that person's self-worth so that they feel a bit braver in doing that in the context of their relationship. Yeah, no, that's great. I think yeah, that's great. I think it's about, you know, men and women sort of understanding this. And I think what you've talked about in this podcast is really about bringing awareness to what what it actually is and what steps I guess people can take because as a society I think we do need to bring it to the forefront of discussions because without you know being aware of it we can't actually go about making change so we can't just keep stuffing it away and ignoring it any further so I think that that's great so thank you so much for your time and discussing that and I think the last thing that I ask all my guests is do you have any piece of advice in your worldly experience about the will to live your most fulfilling life? about tell me that again the about the will to live your most fulfilling life is there any advice you can give to our listeners in that space oh i think in that space it's all about um being brave and going with what is literally when i say in your gut like just being really brave in some of your choices you know is it what is so important to you or what you value mm. and then having the the will and you know to actually embrace that and not worry about, I don't know, others' judgment or, you know, start to question yourself to, to be true to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I know that's going to be really educational for a lot of our listeners. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. I'm Angela Lee, and you've been listening to Will to Live, the podcast. You can join us on Facebook in our Will to Live online community, that's L-I-V, Facebook group or follow Angela Lee on social media and at www.angelalee.com.au. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to pay forward the gifts of living, please share with your friends and if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast. Thanks so much.